Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Dallas Greenaway opens up our new series, Lifelines, talking about community and how we need people to go through life with. We weren't meant to go through life alone, and so this week we look at the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman in John 4, verses 1 through 42, and how Jesus invites us to be real with him, just like he does in this passage with the Samaritan woman. We hope you enjoy this message. So if you're new with us, if you're, you've been with us a couple weeks for sixth grade or you're brand new, well, first off, my name is Dallas, all right? So it's just like Texas, so it's really nice to meet you, all right? Be sure to come up and say hey afterwards. Second, secondly, Dally G, thank you, boys. Secondly, we are in this new series called Lifelines, and whenever we start a series, the whole time we have that little video before the message, right? And it's got a little, a little song, normally some sort of beat behind it. This one was a nice, like, chill thing they call that lo-fi beat, okay? So if you, if you come up with some sort of dance, sometimes we've had swaying, sometimes we've just had clapping, like you guys were trying to do. I'm going to say, I don't know if that that's it, okay, guys? I don't know if the clap is it this time, but we'll get a feeling this is only week one, okay? But if you see people dancing during that little song, now you know why. It's just kind of a tradition that somebody started along the way. JJ, were you aware of this? Did you know this was happening? Okay, well, now you know. Now you are informed. Uh, next thing that I want to say before we get into the message is this. Um, I, I thought about during first service, and then I thought about it during second service, too, as you guys are worshiping. And here's what I want to say. Like, everybody started school in here, right? Is there anybody that has not started school yet? Uh, one last homeschool. I know you dropped out when you were in like fourth grade, right? He's been, fifth, fifth, fifth grade. He's been working a full-time job since fifth grade. A couple weeks ago, everybody had started school, and then there were like two homeschoolers uh, in second hour that were like, I haven't, right? Like my school starts later than all of yours. And so everybody started school, and so I know that with school, every, all of a sudden life just got way more busier and maybe way heavier than it was during the summer, right? Like you could kind of make up your own schedule and maybe do somewhat of what you wanted to do in the summer, uh, whether it was just sleeping until all hours of the day or playing video games or whatever. Like you had way more freedom in the summer, and now school's back, and that freedom's gone, right? And maybe with it comes some just the pressures of school and anxiety, and you're, you're just already feeling the weight of school and relationships uh, that start back this time of year and all this kind of stuff. Like, you're feeling the weight of it. And so I say that to say this. This is what I was thinking about earlier, is we want Sunday mornings to really be like a safe and secure and sacred place for you guys, right? That's why we do just about everything we do here is we hope that you find a, a safe place where you can talk about some of those things that you're going through. You can share the hard things that are going on at school or at home or maybe deeper still the hard things that are going on inside of you, right? Like maybe it's sin struggles or just doubts you're having or whatever it is. We hope that we don't, we're not asking you to just leave it outside, like leave it in the car and then come in here with a smiling face, but we actually want you to find this as a safe place to say, hey, here's what I'm going through. Is there anyone there that cares enough to help me? And I, I think that if you're willing to open yourself up, especially as we get into small groups and you've got leaders who truly care about you, so much so that they've invested, they're going to invest every, nearly every single Sunday this coming year to be here with you. Uh, you've got other people in your small group who are looking for the same thing. You've got people who are worshiping, hoping that this is, you know, a comfortable, safe place for me to, to worship and, and thank God for who he is. Like, there's other people here, there's like-minded people here 
who are looking for that same thing. And if you're willing to bring your stuff and we're, we're willing to bring our stuff and be open and honest about it, I think that we're going to create that kind of environment here on Sunday mornings, right? Where it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that none of the stuff outside of Sunday mornings didn't happen, but it means that now you have a place to talk about what's happening, right? So I hope you find that and realize that you play a part too in making sure that other people experience that. So whether it's like goofing off and distracting people in worship or maybe poking fun at somebody when they say something personal in small group. Like you, you can choose to do that or you can choose to not do that, right? So th- this series actually is, is a little bit about what I'm talking about. See, we're about to start small groups next week. And every time, every year we start small groups, we, we like to go through some sort of uh, look at or study uh, through this, this idea that, that God has given us that is community and friendships, relationships, just this big idea that God did not design life to be lived alone. Like, we need each other, right? I mean, in the the garden, it started out with Adam. God realized that it wasn't good for him to be lonely, so he gave him Eve, right? Like, companionship. He gave him friendship. He gave him community. And from that moment on, all throughout the Bible and all throughout history, we see that we as humans, we need each other. We need each other. God in himself, think about this, God is not just, just God, right? But he's, he's one God and three persons. There's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's actually community, relationship within God himself, within the Trinity. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before, but God himself is a model of perfect community, perfect relationship to us, And he's called us to follow in his footsteps and go after something similar, right? So for the next four weeks, here's kind of how we do series if you're new with us. We start a series, and it's normally like four to six weeks. And sometimes we'll study through just one passage or one book of the Bible. Other times, like this series, we'll pick uh, like a topic. And this this topic is actually about friendships, relationships, community, because we're about to jump into small groups next week, right? And, and we're going to be looking uh, at a few different passages in the Bible and really seeing how does Jesus interact with other people, some people that he knows really well and some people that he, he may have just met for the first time, and what are some things that we can take away, learn from how Jesus Christ himself uh, was in relationship with other people. So as we're, we're getting there, this week I was thinking about what's like, man, what, when's a time in my life when I really needed other, other people? And for some reason, this, this moment in, in time when I was in high school came into my mind, and it's not a moment that I've thought about very much. It's actually kind of like a, a couple weeks span is the whole thing. But I, I hadn't really thought about this, so I don't know why, but maybe somebody in here just needs to hear a story similar, right? And when I was in high school, uh, up till that point, like, I hadn't had a whole lot of crazy things happen in my life. I mean, I had had, you know, maybe one or two family members pass away, at least that I was close with. And we had, we had moved a lot when I was younger. But, but other than that, there were not any, like, major huge tragedies. My, my parents were still married. Uh, I, I had one sister, and she was doing fine. Um, but in, in high school... We used to do this thing called AM Vapor. Why do we call it Vapor? Because, guys, our youth group used to be called Vapor. Did you know that? Our youth group was called Vapor, like, way back in the day, and then we had to change it because people started vaping, and so that doesn't really work anymore. Uh, that's part of the reason we changed it. But So we, we changed our name, but we used to have these, these Bible studies on Thursday mornings called AM Vapor. All right, kind of sounds cool. And we would meet at 
I mean, just terrible hours, right? We met at like 5.30 in the morning, I think, and we would get, it was guys would get together, high school guys would get together, high school girls would get together at another house. We'd come, the guys would have, the girls would have like fantastic breakfast, right? Like somebody's mom is cooking breakfast casserole and pancakes and like all this stuff, and the boys, it's like, here's a bunch of boxes of cereal, right? Which is, depending who you are, a fantastic breakfast, but we'd have, you know, Captain Crunch and Fruit Loops and Honey Nut Cheerios and whatever, and so we would study through a book of the Bible each semester, and um, it was actually really cool, even though we were super tired once we got to school, right? But on one of these weeks in particular, I came in and just kind of thought it was going to be a normal week. Um, I'd gotten some news earlier that I just didn't realize was, was sitting heavy on me like it was. And so the, the, the day went, the, the Bible study went through, and like everything was going fine, and but I, I just wasn't able to like key in and focus as well as I could. And sure enough, like everybody kind of started to clear out. And some of my closest friends were there and the, and the leader of the Bible study was there. And guys, I just, I just lost it. I just started bawling. I just started crying. See, my, um, my mom had been to the doctor about a week before that. So it was between the two Bible studies. And, and she just got some news. And we were wondering like, what, what's going to happen? It, could this be cancer? And I, I don't know, like, if you've ever been in a moment like that where you've gotten some sort of, like, medical news or some sort of news about your family or a close friend, and you're like, you know, it kind of could go one way or the other. You're wondering, um, you know, is it going to turn out for the worst, or are we going to, like, shoo, that was close, right? It's going to be one of those moments. And I just lost it. Like, I didn't realize it was sitting as heavy on me as it was, but as soon as I got with that group of guys, and they, they just asked me, like, how are you doing? I just, I just lost it. And in that moment, I mean, imagine one of your closest friends, like, coming up to you, and, like, everything seemed fine the whole little bit you've been hanging out, and all of a sudden, they just start crying, right? Like, and I, I told them, like, through tears what was going on, but what's your reaction? Because these guys, they, they could have done a few different things, right? Like, okay, uh, Dallas is crying, there is more cereal left, and I need to get to school, so, right? Like, just take the last of the Captain Crunch and just zip on out of there. Uh, maybe their reaction could have been like, uh, Dallas is a dude, and he's in high school, and high school dudes don't cry, right? So, like, yeah, you, you guys can, can care, take care of that on your own, right? I mean, if you're honest, sometimes maybe that's been your reaction, but you definitely know people in your life who would react that way, right, in what should be a serious situation. These guys, though, in through my, you know, teary, slobbery, probably snotty, high school crying self, right, they, they didn't run, they didn't back up and make fun, but they, they gathered around me and held me. And that sounds so weird to say, like, high school dude, but... They, they get around me, held me tight, let me cry literally like into their shoulders, into their, just right here, I lean, I'm a short guy, right? So I've always been able to, it's really easy, snuggle right there. But, and they just let me cry and they, they held me, they gathered around me, they prayed for me. And long story short, I actually think I forgot to tell first service this, that's a problem. But my mom did not have cancer, all right? So that's, that's good news for, for my family, but I know sometimes that the news doesn't come out that way, Right? And in those moments of uncertainty or of like, no, this is definitely what it is, in the moments where school is weighing you down or, or friendships are rocky or maybe there's something deeper that's going on just within your soul that only you and God know about, who are the people that you have to turn to? 
Who are the friends that you can get real with? Who are the friends who aren't going to peace out and grab the lucky charms, right? Like, who are the friends that are going to gather around you, be there for you, be there with you, and much like my friends did, point you to, to God, point you to what's, what's true no matter what your circumstance. Who is that in your life? That's a little bit of what we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks is our friendships, our, our lifelines, the people that we can turn to. And specifically for this week, here, here it is. If you, if you lose track, the, the whole message can kind of be summed up in this way. Godly friendships let you be real about whatever it is that you would fill in the blank with and say, yeah, this is what I'm going through. And maybe you're like me. Maybe you haven't gone through something like this yet, right? As a middle school, you're like, I mean, life's pretty good, you know? Like, I mean, I'm not very good at Fortnite or whatever you're playing now, but, like, life's pretty good. Like, I got, I got a lot of things going for me. Nothing major has happened. I can promise you something will. Not because, like, doom and gloom, but because that's just how life goes, like, if you talk to anybody who's a good bit older than you, they're going to tell you, you're going to experience some heartbreak. You're going to experience some tough stuff. You're going to experience some things that weigh you down. And who are the people that you're going to turn to when that happens? We're going to look at a story in John chapter 4. So you can go ahead and turn there. We're going to see how Jesus interacts with somebody and what maybe we can take away from it in order to like maybe apply to our relationships and have our relationships, our friendships look a little bit more like Jesus, right? Jesus, we, we keep using this word like friend or c- community, right? Jesus was actually referred to as the friend of sinners. Did you know that? Maybe you've heard that before. There's a really funny, like silly, kind of terrible YouTube video, not terrible in like a dirty wear or whatever, but terrible and like a, man, they really spent time making this? This is not good. Uh, but it's a song, and it goes something like, Jesus is my friend. Do, 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 do. Jesus is my friend. You know that song? See, so we, like, there's some corny songs out there that, like, sing about this. There's uh, probably some real songs that uh, I don't know, I can't think of right now. But the Bible actually does describe Jesus as the friend of sinners, and he's, he's called this by the Pharisees in not so great a light, right? But Jesus kind of takes it upon himself because it's kind of a good thing that he's our, our friend, right? Because, by the way, you and I are, are sinners, Jesus in the Bible is described as a friend of sinners, so he's a friend to us, right? And uh, Jesus, while he may not be like buddy-buddy, like, hey, what's up, man? What's up, Jesus? At least not yet. Like, maybe we'll experience that in heaven, right? But Jesus is our friend and, and really the best example of a, of a friend in so many other ways. And one of those ways is in how he allows us to be real, how he allows us to be open, how he allows us to be honest, and how, much like my friends gathered around me, he very much wants to be by your side in the midst of, of tough stuff you're going through, right? So Jesus is our best example of what it looks like to live uh, in, in real friendship. So let's look. We're going to look in a probably familiar passage for a lot of you, a familiar story in John chapter 4 and see Jesus' interaction with a particular woman. All right, so John chapter 4, verse 1. Here we go. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea Judea, and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, 
was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, all right? So some of that, you're probably like, Galilee, Samaria, right? Like, what in the world are we talking about there? Here's what's happening, just kind of sum up, right? Jesus is going from point A to point B, all right? He's making a little journey. And as he goes from point A to point B, he has to go through a place called Samaria. Does that ring any bells? What is maybe not wrong with, but kind of wrong with, what? Why is Samaria? Maybe am I saying it this way? Yes. Really good. So, yeah, that in Samaria is where the Samaritans lived, all right? What's wrong with the Samaritans? Long story short, all right, uh, there were some Jews who were left in Samaria, okay? Jews. Uh, started marrying people who were not Jews and having kids with people who were not Jews, which made a mixed race. And the Jews are pure. Like, we're, we're Jews. We marry Jews. We make baby Jews, right? Like, all of that, it's, it's pure Jewish bloodline. So what is this? This is actually a racial thing. The best way to describe this is this is, this is racism in the Bible, where Jews looked down on Samaritans because they weren't pure, because they inter- intermarried, like all this stuff. They looked down on them, and, and they, were, they were mean towards them. They were rude towards them. Normally, if you were Jewish, you would not have gone through Samaria because that's dirty territory. That's, you know, not God's people anymore, basically, is what they thought of the Samaritans. And so th- this is racism. And yet Jesus, he doesn't avoid Samaria but he goes straight through it, right? So he's going from point A to point B, and he has to go through this no-no land in Samaria, and he does it anyway, right? Because this is kind of what Jesus does. We're going to see uh, as we keep going through the story. So he goes through Samaria, and he stops at a well because he's thirsty, because he's tired. He needs a drink. We're going to find out in a minute that his disciples actually go into town uh, to go probably get some grub, right? And uh, Jesus is there at this well in Samaria where he probably shouldn't be, but he is because he's Jesus. And we know what time of day it is because it says it's at the sixth hour. And the way they did time was from like 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., right? So the sixth hour would have been noon, would have been like lunchtime, right? So Jesus is there at lunchtime, probably super hot day. And uh, let's see what happens next, right? A woman from Samaria came to drink water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away. He probably didn't say it. That, that kind of sounded mean, but give me a drink. Uh, Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, right? So again, Jesus is not where he's supposed to be. He's at the well at noon. This woman comes up, and now we've kind of got a problem. Jesus asks her for a drink, and this woman, what's her response? Not, oh, yeah, sir, let me, let me help you. Or like, oh, I've heard of you, right? I can tell by the robes by that, who you are, right? Like, no, her, her response is, why, like, basically, why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. You're supposed to look down on me. You're not even supposed to be here. And not only that, like, she doesn't say this specifically, right? But we get pretty, we, we, we know pretty clearly, like, she's a woman and he's a man. And during this time, like, women were treated as second-class citizens, if that. And so there even would have been some gender divide, right? 
So there's racial barriers, there's gender, gender barriers, gender, there's gender barriers, there's like territory barriers, like Jesus, you're not supposed to be here. And here's one thing that I want to point out is that Jesus doesn't care about the barriers. He busts them down. Jesus tears down all the barriers that normally would have prevented somebody like him from talking to somebody like her. So let, let's bring that just real quick and then we'll keep going. Let's bring that to our own lives. Are there barriers in your life that keep you from talking or befriending somebody who's different than you? Is it the color of their skin? Is it their accent, just the way they talk? Is it where they live or don't live or what their parents do or don't do for work? Is it the school that they go to? What are the barriers that all of us put up, I, I put them up as well. That we say, hey, because of that, that person's not going to be my friend. I'm going to choose to distance myself from that person. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's, hey, uh, that person over there, let me tell you what they did, right? Let me tell you what they did over the summer. And you listen to that. You listen to that gossip. And you're not quite sure whether it's true or not. But now that person has that label on them. The barrier. Because of what I've heard about them. I'm not going to associate with them. What are the barriers? We've all put them up in our lives. And I want to tell you this. If you are a, a, a Jesus follower, then just like Jesus burst through the barriers, then our call is to walk in the same way and tear down some of the barriers as well. Like you want to live different from people around you? You want to live different from the culture? You want to live like Jesus lived? Then those barriers have to be busted. They do. Because in the kingdom of God, your race, your gender, where you're from, how much money you make, none of that matters. None of that matters at the foot of the cross. The kingdom of God is for all. For all. So let's, let's be a part of busting those barriers down because our Lord and Savior Jesus is, right? So he's busting down barriers with this woman and he keeps the conversation going. In verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God. So remember, she's like, how could you as a Jew ask me for a drink? Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So Jesus, here's another thing you need to know about him. He gets straight to the point, man. Like they're talking about water and I kind of have this bucket to remind you of water. Like she's got her jug maybe in hand or maybe beside her. It definitely was not a really pretty cutesy bucket like this, okay? It was probably cracked and, you know, made of clay and all this kind of stuff. But she's got her bucket. Like she's, she's there. And, and Jesus, in the middle of her, you know, maybe trying to fill up water or, you know, he, he asks her, like he starts out on common ground, like, hey, will you give me a drink? But then he, goes, he just gets straight to the point. See, here's something that I, I haven't really talked about yet, but this lady was there. The, the time of day is important. This, this lady was there at noon when it was hot. You know when a smart time to go get water is? When it's not hot, Right? The smart thing to do and the more common thing to do would have been to go in the early hours of the day, go in the morning, you know, like as the sun comes up or maybe even before it happens, go get your water when it's cool, like the rest of the village, like the rest of Samaritans, and then come back to your house and, you know, try to stay cool. This woman was here at noon because nobody else was. This woman had something that she was trying to hide. And, and maybe that's true of you as well. And, and I think that Jesus is, 
He's keyed in on that because he's Jesus, and he kind of has a, some sort of sense for these things, right? And he gets straight to the point. He understands the situation. He understands that he's not supposed to be there, but he understands that technically this woman is not really supposed to be there either. Like she should have already gotten her water. And so he, he's kind of alluding to, hey, if you would ask me for a drink, I could give you living water. But this lady, it just doesn't connect yet. And for most of us, that's, that's true of us as well. The first time we've encountered Jesus, it doesn't quite connect, right? Verse 11, the woman said to him, sir, uh, you have nothing to draw water with. Where's your, where's your fancy bucket, sir, right? Where's your cute little green bucket, Jesus? Uh, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. If you're paying attention earlier, this well is, is often referred to as like Jacob's well, right? He gave us this well, uh, as did his sons and his livestock. They all drank from it. Jesus says to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to her, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water again. This woman, now things are starting to connect, but not quite. Because here's what she thinks Jesus is talking about. Oh, so you have water that's literally never going to make me thirsty again. Well, sir... We're not going to quite get into this right now, but there's a reason I'm coming at this time of day. And if I can, like, never have to come to draw water again and never be publicly shamed and never have people judge me and whatever it is, like, then give me that water. Like, I'll drink whatever water you're selling or offering if it means that I don't have to go through all of that hurt and pain again. She's trying to find a quick fix. And we do this, too. We try to find quick fixes. Whatever it is that's weighing you down, whatever it is that's, that's heavy on your heart, whatever it is that's going on at home or going on at school, fill in the blank, whatever it is for you, we try to find these quick fixes. Hey, give me that massive Band-Aid that I can put over my parents' relationship and just like let me lock myself in my room and never have to think about that and that's, that's what we're going to do. Or uh, at school, well, how about I just don't try? Because my grades are never going to be what I want them to be, so I'm just going to give up, and I'm not going to try, and, and, and it'll just go away. It'll go away if I close my eyes and never think about it. We want the quick fixes, but that's not how life works, and that's not how, that's not how God works. See, he's not talk, literally talking about water that will never make her thirst again. She's still going to have to come back there, but he's talking. Remember, he gets straight to the point. He's trying to help point her to him says, hey, everything that you're going through right now, and we're going to get into it in just a second, everything that you're going through right now, you can find the answer in me. Everything that you're going right now, I've got the living water. I've got it. I've got the answers. And it, that's the message to her, but that's the message to all of us, myself included, today. Like, whatever it is you're going through, he has the answers. And I think for most of us in this room, part of the answers is, finding some lifelines, finding some friends. There's people that God wants to put in your life to walk through the hard things with you. If you really want to find healing, it probably means that you're going to have to go through a little bit more pain, a little bit more struggle. But in the end, if you're walking towards Jesus, and, you know, I think if you're doing it with other people, you're going to find healing. You're going to find the living water. So Jesus, he's trying to help her see. She doesn't get it. Hey, give me that water so that I, I don't have to come here anymore. 
Then in verse 16, Jesus like keeps digging deeper, and now it all comes out, right? Now this is where the getting real happens in the story, maybe. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. Whoops. And the one you have now is not your husband. So maybe, maybe a sixth, right? What you have said is true. You guys are so goofy. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, <laughs> I perceive you are a prophet. Yeah. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is a place where people ought to worship. So here's what happens. Jesus starts to like uncover. He starts to dig in. He starts to say, hey, go call your husband. Oh, wait, what you say is true. You don't have a husband. You've had five of them, and the person you're living with now is not your husband. And so we don't, we don't know all the details surrounding this. Like, did some of her husbands pass away? Did she leave them? Did she, like, we could, we could go on and on about possibilities for the story. But here's what we know, is that the reason she wants water to never come back, or here's what we're pretty certain about. The reason she wants water so that she never has to come back to this well physically is because of what's been going on in her home life. Because of all these men that she's lived with in some way, shape, or form. And everybody in the area seems to know. Because probably when she comes to the well, when everybody else does, she's publicly shamed. She's humiliated. Oh, there goes that woman who's had five husbands, right? Like, because those people decided to put a label on her instead of loving her, she's now, like, choosing to live as a recluse, right? Maybe you can relate, or maybe you know somebody who could. But remember, Jesus is always trying to point her. He's always being intentional. She, so she comes out, she says, hey, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. It seems like you kind of know a little bit more than I think you do. And then she starts asking him questions. See, I think that she, she's been thinking a lot about God lately. And like, what's, wh- what am I supposed to do? Where's the place where I can truly worship the one true God? Where's the place I can meet him? Where's the place that I can find answers? And so her question is, hey, where am I supposed to worship? See, us Samaritans, we say that you worship in this place, but you Jews, you say that you can only worship in this place. So what's the truth? Where am I going to find God? And Jesus responds uh, to her in verse 21. Jesus said to her, a few more verses, and then we'll apply this and wrap it up real quick. All right, guys? Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled at what he was, they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? None of them responded that way. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ. So she's wondering, where do I find God? Where do I find the one true God? And man, there's so much in this passage that we could talk about. But from a big picture perspective, here's what Jesus says. Hey, there's coming a time where it doesn't matter where you worship or who you are or what your background is, what the things you've done, how much money you have or don't have, where none of that will matter. And actually the time is here because I'm here. 
where the kingdom of God is now open to all people from all places, including you, this woman at the well, but also including you and me. Jesus is inviting us into life with him, a beautiful life with him. And part of that life with him is, is getting real with him. I mean, he kind of just drilled straight down and kind of in some ways like forced this lady's hand, right? Like, hey, I already know this. Let's talk about it. And, and remember, like she could have run away in that moment. Like, uh, you're going to talk about my husband's, right? Like you can have my pretty water jug. Like she could have just left, but she did it. For some reason, there was something about Jesus where she stayed, she heard him out, and in the end, she's completely changed, like forever. She runs back into town. She, she actually does leave her water jug, right? I think that's symbolic in a lot of ways. And she goes into town and starts telling people, could this be the Messiah that we've been waiting for? Could this be the Christ? He knows me better than I even know myself. Jesus invites her to be real and points her to himself, and he, he invites the same for us as well. Jesus wants us to be real with him. And as we're real with him and experience healing with him, he wants us to be able to open up to others and be real with them as well. You know, one of the things that I've, I've read about in the last couple of months, and I've mentioned it in here a few times, but maybe you haven't heard this before, is that in the, in the UK and the United Kingdom, um, they've actually appointed a government official, all right? Somebody who works for the government. They call them ministers over there, which is kind of fun, right? And, and this person, ministers always makes me think of either church or like Harry Potter or something, right? But this, like the minister of magic, but this person, they are called the minister of loneliness. Do you know this? They're called the minister of loneliness. Yeah, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. The minister of loneliness, here's what's happened, is that our world has become so lonely, even though we have these things and we think that we're so connected all the time. But we've become so lonely that now we need government officials and government money to be designated to helping fix loneliness. That's kind of crazy, right? But, but some of you feel it. Some of you feel it every day. Like when I asked the question at the beginning, hey, who do you have that you can be real with like I was with my friends at that AM Bible study? You drew blanks. More than ever before, people don't have friends. And further than that, they don't have close friends. They don't have best friends. They don't have friends that they can be real with. Maybe even more than ever, there's a spiritual hunger or thirst where they don't, they don't realize that there's a God who can satisfy all those needs, including loneliness. Our world needs friends like Jesus. And God has called us to be those friends to the world. So real quick, four things. Then we'll wrap up, right? How, how does this happen? How do we engage? How do we get in relationships like this? Here we go. Quiet the judgment. Remember the barriers we said? Don't let them, don't let them be a barrier. Bust the barriers, quiet the judgment, the labels that you've put on people, pray and ask God that he would take those off when you look at them. Quiet the judgment. The second thing, know who you are. Remember Jesus? Jesus knew exactly who he was. He knew he was the son of God. And while he's kind of, you know, he's son of God and we're not, not quite that, right? Like if you have put your trust and faith in Jesus, then you have access to everything that Jesus has access to. Everything. And if you know where your identity is found, that's going to give you confidence to engage people who may be different from you. 
and, and experience maybe a, a similar conversation to the one Jesus had with the woman at the well, right? Like making them feel comfortable enough to do number three, which is be real. Like you've kind of got to go there first, right? Like making, building these kinds of friendships may require you to be the first one to get real. But as you get real and you're open and you're honest, you say, this is what I'm going through, you're inviting them to be real as well, which is that last one right there, right? So this is just part of how we build these relationships. And maybe part of it gets done in small groups. If you're, if you're that person here, though, that when I did say, like, hey, who is that person? You just don't have any friends that come to mind. Here's my, my two kind of things for you. One is to be open and honest and real with Jesus about that. Be open and honest about your need for, for somebody in your life. The loneliness that you're experiencing. He wants you to talk with him about that. And all the other stuff that you're going through. And, and as you do that, may it maybe push you to be open and honest about the loneliness and the hard things, the struggles that you're experiencing. Be, in, be open and honest with somebody here. We're starting small groups for this very purpose. So that these kind of friendships, these kind of relationships, ones that look like Jesus can happen. And they can happen in our, in our midst. And maybe, maybe they'll even happen like Jesus. Probably not at the well, right? Most of us don't go to the well. But maybe some of these friendships might even happen at a water fountain. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for your son Jesus. For his example of what it looks like to, to be imitators of you. He, he mirrored who you were to the, or who you are to the world like no one else before him or after him. God, we pray that in some small way we can follow in his footsteps. Maybe even in this instance of what it looks like to be a, a good friend, to be somebody who is real and invites other people to be real as well. We, we pray that we can follow him in that way. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.